go. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing. Coming to you worldwide from MegaWin Kill Guard Studios. What's going on, Bass Edge Nation? Welcome back. Our second January edition of Bass Edge Radio. That's right, here we are. Man, it's Jan 24, and things are about to get crazy, just like the music in the background. You are listening. <laughs> That's so awesome. Man, it's, uh, it's everybody's fired up. The computer's fired up. We're fired up. Man, bass fishing big time is about to get going, man. Lots of big events coming up in the next couple, really the next two weeks, huge events. So uh, excited about that. We're going to break it down a little bit today on the show. But, uh, man, I hope that everybody is having a fantastic ride so far through this first uh, month of 2024. Bass Edge, of course, made possible by MegaWare KeelGuard. You've heard it a thousand times, man. It's the KeelGuard providing boat owners protection from grinding salt, abrasive rocks, concrete boat ramps. Don't be without a KeelGuard on your vessel. Man, in our last episode, we announced a new partnership for 2024. If you missed it, go back, listen to that episode. Feature Angler was Dakota Ebear, man. What a great show that was. And uh, we promised to bring you some info on the new boat build. That's right. We partnered with Bass Cat Boats, myself and Bass Edge Radio, excited to be running a Bass Cat boat, man. I want to show you some pics of the build. We've got some, uh, we got some cool pics right here, man. This is a 2024 Puma STS. That's what we're going to be running around uh, out on the trail this year. Uh, Bass Edge, you're, you're going to see the Bass Edge boat all over the place. It's going to be out in California, all the way to New York and everywhere in between, of course, down here in my home in Texas as well. So, uh, man, I'm excited about this, but kind of you can see what we've got going on right here. This Bass Cat being built. These are all pictures from the factory, the Puma STS 2024. Man, we love the, the color lines and the layout of this, of this boat. It looks really great. Thanks to, uh, Cody, Kenny, and the whole team up there. Of course, Rick Pierce at Bass Cat Boats. Uh, but this is this is her being built right there into the uh, Bass Cat factory. It's going to be so cool. You can see right there, they're, they're uh, mounting the motor back there, putting the Yamaha SHO on the Puma STS. And, uh, man, it is getting close to completion. We are excited about it. It looks hot, man. We're... we're uh, we're super blessed and, and really pleased to be associated with Bass Cat Boats. Um, hope you enjoyed that little sneak peek of what it's going to look like. Of course, we're going to have it wrapped with MegaWare Keel Guard going down the road. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun year fishing the West Coast from a Bass Edge perspective and my perspective, as well as of course doing all the youth camps down here in Texas, up in New York, and and everywhere else that we're going with the. Uh, with the rig this year so it should be a lot of fun man make sure you don't miss another episode of bass edge radio be, be sure to hit that youtube subscribe smash that like button join the conversation in the comments below catch every episode of course on youtube or your favorite audio stream prod podcast like itunes google play spotify basically any of your favorite streaming platforms man in this episode we're gonna break right into it we we've, we've got an exciting guest it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to him uh, our feature angler spotlight longtime friend owner of missile baits of course bass elite series pro angler john cruz 
going to be with us here on this episode as our feature angler spotlight. Man, Bass Edge Radio, this late January edition coming to you. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So choose the protection the pros pick. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare Keel Guard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original Keel Guard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare Keel Guard. Since 1971, Basscap Boats has innovated, persistently thinking outside the box, never abandoning their roots or the commitment to quality through their process. Clearly visible in the new Puma STS, their design and development continues to evolve, improving performance, enhancing the angler's experience, and broadening the appeal of the sport they have dedicated their lives to. Basscap Boats, feel the rush. Here we are, right back at it. We got the man on the screen already. As I mentioned, jumping right into our feature angler spotlight. Look at that name, Johnny Miss John Cruz, BASS Lead Series Angler, and of course, president of Missile Mates. Man, thanks for being on the show with us, John. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, Kurt. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit. How you been doing? What how's the new year treating you so far? Good. So far, so good. It's been uh it's been busy right out of the gate, you know, at, uh, New Year's day, um, post, you know, post party. And then, uh, then this, the second we, uh, we headed straight to, uh, Tennessee to go to the, the big rock show. I ran out to Arkansas, picked up my boat, came back. We did the big rock show. Uh, got back late Sunday night and then, um, has oh, been stop. in the office ever since. So that's how it rolls. <laughs> you haven't been able to jump into that new basket yet. Have you? <laughs> No, no, I'm just, I'm just figure. I just, I just took the coat cover off of it yesterday. Very cool. Well, we're going to get into that here a little bit in the interview. Um, man, you know, from a veteran standpoint, you kind of hit it a little bit right there already. I mean, you, I was counting up the years. You're entering your 22nd season on the national tour level, Bassin, man. Basically yeah. 25 years since kind of taking into this, uh, you know, pro bass fishing career, of course, then qualify for the Bassmaster Tour 2003, I think it was, 2002 was your first year or three? Um, it was one of those two, two years. It was uh, the first <laughs> one, was long to count back. whichever, whichever classic was in Pittsburgh. That was my first one. Man, it was so cool to see that. That was a, that was a great classic, low weight classic, but, uh, and those low weight tournaments were always a lot of fun to watch. We, we don't, we don't see as many of those anymore. Maybe the Sabine every once in a while, you know, you get that yeah. low weight feel, but uh, even the Sabine, you know, you, you're catching giants compared to, <laughs> compared to three rivers. Yeah. It, it's still, it's still Texas, you know, so you'll, you'll, you'll <laughs> luck into a, you know, eight or nine pounder every once in a while down there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, so how does it feel? Is it any different preparing for your 22nd tour season than it was maybe your, fifth or 10th and and you know kind of what what's your preparation now look like for a new season compared to maybe what it did 10 or 15 years ago you know the biggest thing i think that that changes as you progress in your in your tournament fishing is uh, is the number of obligations that you get you know the first first couple years 
I mean, nobody knows really who the hell you are. Um, <laughs> and so you really don't have too many obligations and, and stuff. I mean, like maybe you even still work a regular job, but that that is like very cut and dry. You know, you're like, all right, when I'm home, I do this plumbing thing or I, I sell cars or whatever it is. And right. then, you know, and then I've got the tournament thing and you, you don't have, you know, people calling you and um, people message you on social media every day, you know, 50 to 100 emails every day. Uh, you, you don't have, you know, your own business to run typically. Um, you know, so it, it just, as time goes on, it gets more and more. I was talking with, uh, you know, Jordan Lee about it just the other day. And he was right. like, man, I just, it's like, he goes, the more, the more, the more I go, it seems like the more I have to do. He said, like, I hadn't even, hadn't even really got anything ready for, uh, for the season yet. <laughs> and I was like, yep, just, it doesn't get any better, buddy. Um, yeah, yeah, it just gets more people you know, the more things you get involved with, because that's the great thing about bass fishing. There's so many opportunities, so many fun things to be involved. Involved. I mean, you jumping on our podcast today, that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, takes time, takes takes a little bit of preparation, but uh, man, it, th- that's how you make a living in and a career in the sport of bass fishing is being available, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, the the, the podcasts and stuff are are fun. Um, you know, you got your own social media to, to keep up with as well. So that's that's part of the game. Uh, I've got to finish. Uh, I started shooting a little bit of a video yesterday. Uh, I was just basically getting B-roll for it. And then today uh, I, I thought today I was going to do it, but I think it's going to be tomorrow uh, that I'll end up get, trying to shoot that, you know, my next YouTube long form type video. Right. Uh, and then, you know, it just it just never stops, man. You just keep you just keep clicking and uh, you keep going and you really have to manage your time. Uh, between you know, it's like okay, I've got about five or so weeks before I head to uh, the first couple of tournaments, but I've got I've got obligations and I've got to travel every weekend for for sponsors or for missile or or for family or for something, and uh, you know that stuff this stuff adds up. So you know I'm pretty tied up during the week, so I've I just gotta I've got to make time to uh, to get my boat rigged. To, uh, to get my tackle already and and all that kind of stuff so it just uh it's just a lot of time management really and once if you get decent at time management it uh, you know it helps helps a lot absolutely I feel like whiteboard becomes your biggest friend right I mean you got priority a B C D and and you know you got to get a and B for sure but there's some important aspects in priority C and D that you got to click off the puzzle too so yeah I mean having, having that whiteboard my, and being able to see everything that's in front of you makes makes it a little bit easier right I, I do it a lot with my calendar as well I just you know write it I'm like oh yep that Tuesday that is going to happen right and right. Uh, and then it does. Well, let's talk about jumping in the season a little bit, man. It's it's coming up. It's it's a month away. Toledo yeah. Bend, late February, going to be the first blast off this year for the Elite Series season. Uh, immediately off the Lake Fork, so you got to prep for back to back events in Texas. How do you ready yourself for those specific events? Um, are are you a guy? I, I hear a lot of different ways. Some some anglers like to you know, rig 15 rods before they leave the driveway and, and they're yeah. getting their red. Some, some anglers like to get there, kind of, kind of feel what's going on and, and just kind of put it together as they're there and kind of rig yep. through the process. What's John Cruz like? What kind of techniques are you thinking about before you leave the house? And, and how do you manage that preparation through that process before you leave the driveway to go to Toledo Bend this year? So I, I typically, um, like to see what the weather is going to be like and then make sure that I have all the tackle that I want 
and on the first tournament, whichever, whatever year it is, first tournament, I like to go down to, to give myself at least, you know, three quarters of a day to one day of on the water before practice starts. So okay, what nice. I what I'll do is it's kind of it's kind of funny. I've done it probably the last five or six years, and I'm surprised I didn't do it longer than that. Uh, but I'll I'll have you know 20, 25 rods kind of rigged. Um, the majority of them will be like dialed in, ready for practice, and then okay. I'll have some of them that are just kind of still open ended. And and I'll go out there on that day and I'll fish with every single one of those rods. I'll pull one out at a time, take it and fish it, and then set it in the bottom of my basket take the next one out, fish with it for five minutes, go through that. And it takes, it takes over half a day to, to do that. I want to make sure all my drags, right. I want, you know, I don't I have all my casting settings. I mean, even if I'm using the same stuff from year to year, I do it every time uh, because you put you just put on new line and all this kind of stuff. And I don't want to have to fiddle with any of that crap while I'm in practice. I want to have it all dialed in. So it's really like the practice for practice. <laughs> and uh, kind of getting everything together. And that, that's one of the things that I've started to do. I really, I really like that. That's cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. So, so let's obviously you got Toledo Ben, your first event, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll plop the boat over there in Rayburn. Is that, is that kind of scenario? Right. Yeah. I, I don't there? know. I may go to Rayburn. I may go to a smaller body. Um, and what I may end up doing is stopping like at Derek Hudnall's, which is uh, okay, he's yeah, one of my Louisiana. roommates. He's right there on the way. I may stop at his house and just fish just some local fishery close by or something. Yeah. And uh, maybe, I don't know if it's the, uh, the basin and Atchafalaya basin or something like that. Um, just drop in and fish, just fish for half a day or so and kind of get everything dialed in and then, and then go on over there. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, how, how about condition wise? You talked about, you know, kind of starting to pay attention to weather conditions. Uh, you know, this time of year, 30, 40 days, a little far out. A lot, lot of things can change, especially in the south. Get some cold fronts coming in, warm fronts can, can change conditions very quickly. When do you really start, like, looking at that? Are you, like, a week out guy, two weeks out? Probably two what? weeks. Uh, probably two weeks is the one. In Florida, you definitely want to look a month ahead, uh, okay. at least. So you can kind of see the weather patterns. You know, have they had any real severe cold fronts? Uh, have they have any? Have they just had nothing but warm weather? You know, what what does it look like? Texas is kind of the same way. They're not quite as fickle as those Florida fish, right? But but in Texas, Louisiana area, you got to pay attention to that two weeks prior to kind of see. You know, has have the nights been in the twenties or have they been in the forties? You know, where 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 does that stand? You know, what what are the fish kind of uh, gauging on because those fish down there, you know, come, come early March, man, they're, they're going to be looking to spawn if they're not starting to spawn. It, it really happens probably before most people think it does. Right. And, you know, I just, you, you gotta be conscious of, uh, of those weather patterns, the moon and, and that kind of stuff. Very good. Very good. Man, have you been able to keep fresh this fall? You talk about a busy, busy schedule, uh, just picking up your boat, doing some doing some shows uh, for Missile Baits, of course, and yep. and uh, lot, lots of moving parts. Uh, have you been able to get on the water? And, and what techniques have you seen or maybe worked on in this offseason that, that you feel like will, you know, help continue to progress with the way tournament bass fishing has changed over the last couple of years? It, it, it's funny, man. It's, it seems like it's year to year how much how much I get to fish in the offseason. This year, I've, I, I've fished very little in the offseason. Um, 
last year, uh, I fished a lot. Uh, I fished a, a buddy trail with a friend of mine. We fished, I think, three tournaments together after wow. the season ended. And then we probably practiced fished, you know, a handful of days other than that. I, I mean, I probably fished more than a dozen days last fall. I'll bet you I've fished like three days, four days, maybe <laughs> this fall, uh, this past fall. So I, I didn't get, I didn't fish as much. Some of it was just, um, you know, by choice, not like, Hey, I don't want to fish, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah family stuff, or you could screw the, the family priority and list. fishing. <laughs> right, right. I, I, we, I did family stuff, you know, I mean, my, my two daughters are, um, you know, one's getting ready to turn 12 and the other one's 16. So, you know, I'm only going to get to see them a few more years and they're going to be out. So, you know, just kind of prioritizing life, life decisions. And, you know, I, I always think back to the first Bassmaster event that I, that I, that I ever won out on the California Delta. I had a, I had a really bad season the year before and I purposefully did not fish that entire off season. And I, I did not fish for five months. Wow. So at the end of that season, I did not go bass fishing until I drove out to California and I was driving out there and I was like, this is, that was really dumb. Like that was the dumbest decision <laughs> I could have ever made. I feel like I'm rusty and I feel like I don't have anything. No, like I'm a no tackle is kind of organized right, right, and ready. Right. I didn't feel like I had any, like any rhythm. instincts really. Oh, no. And, and yeah. I went out there, had an awful practice and, um, you know, just really had to do some soul searching and, you know, ended up settling on, on a couple areas and, and the whole thing worked out and ended up winning by an ounce. And I, I thought, and I had a great year, like that whole season yes. was awesome. And, and I almost feel like that not fishing for a period kind of resets your, your defaults as, as an angler, you know, obviously with a computer, you know, you, you can reset the defaults. We all know what that means. Yes. Um, as a, as an angler, you could reset your defaults exactly the same way, giving yourself some time away. And then you go out there and you don't, you know, like if you've been fishing all winter locally or, or even regionally, you've probably got a couple techniques that you've been going to and catching fish on. And you're, you're, you're going to go to pick up and go to Texas and try to do that same thing. That really doesn't make any sense. So yeah. I'm kind of purposefully not fishing again this fall just to see if it, it resets my my defaults like I was explaining and I'm gonna go down to Texas with like kind of a blank slate, you know, like I don't have any recent tendencies, recent history to, to go on. And, and I'm going to just try to go down there and, and fish, fish the moment, so to speak. Right. Now you, you haven't had terrible years, but you didn't qualify for the classic this past year. And, yep. and a guy like you, as much success as you had, obviously, you know, that that hurts a little bit, you know, that you yeah. know that that's not where you belong. You belong in the classic every year. That that's that's what John Cruz does. He makes classics. Um, yep. Do you feel like that that's a consideration on why you're trying to hit this reset button maybe this fall? Otherwise, yeah, I, mean, I know you got other things going on priorities, but is that also a piece of that puzzle? It, it definitely is. Um, you know, and the, the margin at this level is, is, is this big, you know, you know, yeah. the, the difference between finishing 60th in the points and 20th in the points is this big. Now top five in the points versus 60th in the points. It's, you know, it's a decent gap, you know, however you want to measure it. It's a decent little gap. That's more than like one or two tournaments. That's like, you know, wholesale change, you know, type stuff. That's, you know, like 400 points in the, in the, in the AOI. That's right. what that is. But when you're talking, really 20th to 60th that's like two decent tournament two tournaments 
that flip flop that you flip flop instead of finish 80 and 80th you finish 20th in two tournaments then all of a sudden you're you're like you know 18th versus 60th in the points you're way in versus you know being on the outside looking in so and that's the way i look at it uh you just can't afford to have any any dog tournaments and and you got to have at least one or two top tens to to kind of raise your average i had zero top tens last year um i think as a in a career I have like one top 10 of every eight or nine events. So, you know, I'm kind of due to have maybe two this year, but you know, as far as statistics go, but I just, I can't, you know, you can't look at that. You just got to fish each one at a time, but that's what I think pressing that default button is going to help me look at each, look at each tournament kind of new, you know, we're going back to the St. John's. I've had a lot of success there the last three or four times we've been there. And I'm, I'm looking at it trying to find new water that I've never fished on the St. John's. And that's, that's my, kind of my goal this coming year at the St. John's do just fish new water. Don't rely on things that I've done in the past. Cause it always changes. We're going a little bit later in the year. So that's going to really, really kind of make it dumb to, to default back to what you've done in the past. So I'm going to go down there with the intentions of, of fishing completely new water that I've never fished in a tournament before. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. And part, but it sounds like part of hitting that whole reset button, which, which yeah. seems to be so, so important, man. Um, especially when you're not flowing, like you feel like you need to be, you know? Um, yeah, well, I would, yeah, some of that go ahead. just, it's just a, going to a place you've had success before. You yes. can't go there and try to duplicate what you did in the past. And the, the, the best way to do that is just to don't fish the same water like i i know how to fish tidal water you know how to fish tidal water you go up fishing right. tidal water go right. go to that tidal fishery with no preconceived notions and 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 just go look at the conditions see what you're you 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 and i we can go into a creek 30 minutes we can be like they ain't in here yeah you know just you know okay it's high high incoming water they should be on these kind of banks and these you know you fish it for 30 or 45 minutes you don't get a bite you're like nope this ain't it you know, a lot of other people might be like, well, maybe they're over there. Maybe they're over there. Maybe they're over there. Time. We sure. know that, that that isn't how it works. <laughs> right. That right. isn't how it works. They move in groups <laughs> in tidal water. And if you're in a, in the right area, doesn't take you too long to figure it out. Right area, right time can be the, the difference yep. between hero and zero. Um, man, I would say you, you talked about, uh, you know, having some techniques, you know, having some things that, that you like on your deck. I would say most <laughs> anglers have probably three or four rods stay consistent throughout the year. There's, they're always in the box. They always have fresh line and they always have the same bait. They, yep. you know, there, there's three or four of them that everybody just has their little bit of versatility, but confidence factor in finding and catching bath with, with some particular outfits and, and setups and obviously rigged with, with specific baits. What, what's three or four rods that John Cruz has always rigged up in his box that's ready to go throughout uh, so, the entire year throughout the yeah, entire so year. I, i'd say two of them um one of them definitely is a, a missile baits magic worm on a drop shot we i was talking about this at the big rock show last weekend uh, and we were talking about this very same topic and i said man if i had a brain in my head i would only fish a missile baits magic worm on a drop shot Every single tournament, the entire tournament, I almost <laughs> bet you I could make the Bassmaster Classic. I may not win. I don't, I, I don't, you know, may not have a top 10. I may not win an event, 
but I'll almost bet you I'll be in the money for like eight or nine out of those nine tournaments. Extremely and consistent. and uh, that's that's the one that I think you know because you can rig it a couple of different links you know with your with your leader, um, you know having you know one with six, one with eight, one with ten pound test, uh, kind of you know you know one nose hooked, maybe one wacky rigged, and one Texas rigged. You can just you know kind of mix up your um, the way you rig it and yeah. and uh, you know cash in drop shot rod times three and and just go <laughs> go to town that would that would be probably a really really good way to uh to to have like a strong season but my short attention span would have a <laughs> difficult time dealing with that i um, think a lot but, of people would <laughs> yeah right so i i gotta put a i gotta put a uh you know a chatterbait on there with a okay with a spunk shad on the back that's probably one of the other ones that i mean i start to finish every single tournament is going that is going to live on my deck uh cashin makes a uh it's one of the kayak rods it's called a chattergrass rod <laughs> i absolutely love that rod for for throwing a chatterbait uh i found that rod in their line like two years ago and um that's that's basically all i throw a chatterbait on anymore uh, look, let me dive into that real quick on the chatterbait three yeah. eighths or half i mean you get Both. a lot of different i mean you know there's a big difference it doesn't sound like a whole lot but i know you know Big difference yeah. between a three eighths and half. What's kind of your go to size? So, so the this the three eighths and the half, um, basically it boils down to speed. How fast do I want to reel that bait? Because uh, I can I can keep a uh, a half ounce chatterbait this far into the surface, but I'm gonna have to reel it, you know, super fast. Right. So really, it boils down to how fast I want to reel that bait. Uh, what's your water color? A little bit dirtier water. As long as I'm fishing shallower than like four feet, probably going to go with the three eighths because you can throw that thing and just kind of really crawl it and, and kind of keep it going. And, you know, maybe you bang into some cover and whatever, but that, that three eighths, you can really kind of crawl it, keep it going a little bit slower and, and those fish can find it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, but then as the water clears up, I, I tend to like to go more towards the half ounce because I'm going to be reeling it a little bit faster, a little more of a reaction. They don't get to look at it as good. And I feel like that, or if I want to fish that chatterbait, you know, four to six feet deep, a little bit deeper, then I'm going to probably get that, get that half ounce out. And uh, so, I mean, if you look at my box, it's almost evenly half, half ounce and three eighths. Now, will you change, you talked about using the, the spunk shad, of course. Um, yeah. Will, will you change trailers to to another variety based on, you know, kind of speed and depth, the variation that you're trying to achieve? Um, a lot of it with the Spunk Shad, I'll, they have a three and a half, four and a half and a five and a half. And I'll use all three sizes based on, you know, kind of the profile that I want to want to put. If I'm fishing up north for smallmouth, then I'll put that little three and a half inch Spunk Shad on there. And it's like a it's a nugget, man. It's just a little nugget right. that the smallmouth can eat because, you know. The four pound smallmouth's got a mouth that big, and you know, it's yeah, like yeah. all they can do to get that damn thing in their mouth. Uh, so that that's one of the things that I, I like to do. And then, you know, whenever I'm fishing for like a little more stained water or in, in an area that's got some gizzards, or I feel like a bigger bait is needed, I'll, I'll jump up to the uh, five and a half. I throw that quite a bit, but then, yeah, uh, I'd say half or more than half the time, I'm I'm gonna have a four and a half inch spunk shad on the back I, I really don't mess around with too much too many other different trailers on the back i'll put a three and a half inch uh shockwave like a little small swim bait yeah and occasionally but um i've really kind of settled into that that spunk shad 
Nice, nice. So we got the uh, magic worm on a drop shot. Very, yep. very different uh, setups there that that you're able to use it with, and then the yep. uh, vibrating jig with with the spunk shad and yep. and uh, some varying sizes and how you like to do that. Do you have another rod or two that always one, stays? One set more. Up? It, one okay. more. It, again, if I'm smart, I'm gonna keep this on my deck from the first <laughs> tournament to the last tournament. It, small mouth, large mouth though, is the uh, missile baits mini flip jig. Uh, I've caught so many fish on that thing. I've caught a lot of big fish on that thing. Um, it when I finished third at the classic in Gunnersville, I caught, uh, over half of my fish on that. I caught them on chatterbait and that, I mean, that's, that's essentially what I caught like every fish on. So, uh, that, that is a, a, a bait that I need to keep. I put a little a mini D chunk on the back. It's got a little kick right. to it. Um, yeah. you can swim it if you want to, but, uh, really most of it is just, is just a traditional flipping and pitching. Uh, so that, that, that is the, those are the three that, that I would say stay on my deck. If I was smart, I put those three on the deck and uh ride or die. Nice finesse profile on that little jig for sure, man. Yeah, man, dude. I, so, I mean, I was at the last time we went to uh, Chickamauga, I caught a nine, three on it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a big fish bait. I've, uh, I can only caught one over 10 and practice on it. The same bait. That's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. We're going to, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, first we've got to give special thanks to Bass Cat Boats. Make sure you always feel the rush with Bass Cat Boats. We're going to return with BAS's Elite Series angler, John Cruz. Some additional thoughts on prep for the new season and a little bit of industry insider. Thank you, John. It's great to have you here. We'll be right back after this message. Plenty of sunshine. Come on, man. Let's roll. What the? To catch the fish? You need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. We are back after the break. Appreciate y'all staying with us. Got the man on the podcast, Mr. John Cruz, president of Missile Bait, BASS Elite Series Pro, and runner of Bass Cat Boats. We're going to break that down a little bit, John. Uh, excited hey, that actually uh, Bass Edge and, and myself has... We announced last episode, partnering up with Bass Cat Boats moving forward. So uh, we're extremely excited about that. I know that you've had a long, extended relationship with Bass Cat. Man, how long have you been on the promotional team with with Bass Cat? And kind of what brought you to the brand when you originally signed on to, uh, you know, run these fantastic rigs? I I believe it's 18 years that i was that i was uh on the the initial boat that i had when i first started fishing uh pro level tournaments was ranger and and i really enjoyed the boat especially 20 years ago uh i enjoyed the boat i enjoyed the people but in the last 20 years uh everything has changed at ranger uh i mean like 
there's not, but maybe a couple people in the entire company that are still there that were there 20 years ago. Just right. the, you know, the company's changed hands. Uh, there's been competition in that in that part of the country with boat builders. Um, but as far as you know, 20 years ago, I, I felt like I was progressing as an angler. I didn't feel like I was um, a good fit at, at Ranger because I mean, you had Hank Parker and uh, Jimmy Houston and. I mean, just all these, all these huge Dave names Rauer. on the Ranger yeah, boats at the time. Hall of uh, Famer was, after Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was kind of lost in the mix. And um, I, I, I wanted to get with a company that I felt like I could make a difference with and I was that I had a better connection with. And I, uh, so I asked, asked for a raise from Ranger at the time. And they were like, nope, what we're doing is all we can do. It wasn't like it was a terrible deal. Uh, so I, I went ahead and did, you know, I, I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look around in the industry, see what other other deals are available. I met with Triton at the time with Earl Benz and um, then we met with Rick Pierce and uh, with Skeeter and some other, other boat brands. And it just, it was like an immediate click with, with Rick and with the whole, with, with everybody at Basscat, everybody I met there, it was just an immediate um, click. I love the boat. I love the design. And like, you know, I just love going over the boats with Rick and, and everybody else at Basscat talking about each feature and why they're done the way they are. It, everything made sense. And, and I loved it. I said, yep, this is, this is going to be home. Uh, the, the deal made sense. And, and um, shoot, I've been at Basscat ever, ever since. Yeah. I, I feel like it's still that way. The personal, personable feel through Basscat is, uh, it's tremendous compared to uh, several other boat companies that I've worked with as yeah. well. And, and it's, uh, it makes it fun, it makes it fun to uh, be a part of that process and, and, be be a member of the brand man i noticed that you're running the new model this year a uh, uh, 2024 the brand new model caracal sts uh right. i know that you ran the puma sts last year uh you've yeah. run many many basket models throughout the years what seems to be the most consistent throughout brand models that you've seen and all the boats that you've run and kind of what what stands out to you on that but but also like to know what What's been your favorite? Do you have like a model that has really entrenched in your memory or or significant moment that's happened throughout running Bass Cat that that really sticks to you at this point? You know, the, yeah, for the you, the last two seasons I've run that new Puma STS, and and after the first year, uh, one of my roommates Ed Locker, and he's also on the Bass Cat team. He he said, okay. "Man, how did you like that Puma STS at the end of the year?" and I told her, I said, dude, I'm not, I'm not joking. And it's not hyperbole or exaggeration. I said, this, the Puma STS is the best all around bass boat I've ever run. Wow. As far as having size, stability, soft ride, speed, good layout. Every box is dry as a bone. Uh, I mean, like every box that you can check for a good bass boat the Puma STS checks those boxes. Yeah. It, uh, it went from their, you know, newest model to their number one selling model in, in a year. Uh, so if that tells you about how, how good it is, uh, and it, it, it was just, it was just an awesome platform, but you know, as part of being an ambassador for Bass Cat Boats, they come out with the new Caracal STS and this, right. the, the, pri the previous favorite model of mine was the era which okay. is a 20 foot, two inch boat, very narrow, runs amazingly well, amazingly soft ride, uh, but it's fa a little faster, uh, a lot of fun to drive. The boat was a lot of fun to drive. So 
they, it's kind of like a combination between my favorite one because it the the new Caracal STS is also twenty feet two inches, but it's very wide. So what I'm expecting is the stability that you get from the Puma STS and and the fishing platform, but that little bit smaller frame, a little bit smaller length, like I got with the Era, that is going to allow me to probably uh, it make it fish more like a nineteen foot boat, not a twenty foot boat when you're on the water. Uh, you know, around docks and laydowns and stuff like that. Um, and it's going to be very, very nimble, I think, driving. I've talked to about six or seven different people that have actually been behind the wheel of the Caracal STS, and mm-hmm. I have not heard a bad word about that boat. So I think that one is going to be tough for me at the end of the year. I think already, you know, am I going to go back to the Puma? Am I going to stay in the Caracal? I don't I don't know, but I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, to trying it. Do you, do you find yourself, I, I, I kind of picked this up between the lines, do you find yourself uh, throughout the years and looking at models and deciding what boat model to run, um, basing that off of maybe a schedule or the type of bodies or type of style of fishing you prefer? Like, obviously, you get back into creeks and the tidal reservoirs. You yeah. know, it's a lot better to have a 20-footer than a 21-footer or right. closer to 20 than closer to 21. Do you right. tend to to determine, you know, maybe throughout year after year, what model you're going to run based on some of those? A a little bit, but really, as I was kind of alluding to before, being an ambassador for the brand, the newest boat is really the one I'm probably going to run. Because I do a lot of YouTube videos on on my setup, what the boat looks like, uh, the walkthroughs, how to put batteries in them, uh, where do you put your power pole charge, um, you know, showing people all of the technical stuff behind the right. scenes, because a lot of people, they're like, man, I love the way that my, you know, my Puma STS is, but I'm not so sure about that boat being smaller. Can I still put this, that, and the other in that boat? Well, let's go watch Cruz's video. Okay, Get cool. Then we go out there and take it on the water and we run it and we're like, okay, damn it's So it's like, you know, a two mile an hour faster boat or, or whatever it ends up being. Uh, that, you know, like I'll be totally honest with people and then halfway through the year, I'll be like, man, you know, I'll miss some of the rough water, but I like the nimbleness or I might be like, look, I don't miss the rough water because I can keep the nose up even better than I could with the poom. I, I don't know what the, I'm going to be honest with people and I'm going to tell them my real world experience with, with that boat as compared to the other boats, bass cat guys, people that really know the, the, the different models. They, they appreciate that. And, uh, and I, I just get a ton of feedback because of that. Yeah, man. Well, the, I've noticed too, Basscat's got a big fan uh, base and, and it's a hardcore fan base. Uh, a Basscat owner tends to stay kind of a, cult. a Basscat. Yeah. Kind of a cold. Exactly. It's right. awesome. Like I, I tell people when they sweat, so you'll see this, Kurt. So when people, people never run a Basscat before, they don't understand. If you put, I promise you, if you pull up to a gas station and somebody and there's another bass cat at that same gas station, they will speak to you. They will. I don't, I've never seen that with another boat brand to where like 99 out of a hundred times, the other person with that, with that bass cat is going to is gonna be like, Hey man, I like, that. Or I do, and, and you'll get people that come walk by be like, Hey man, I had a 98, uh, uh, Jaguar, man. I love that boat. You like this one? Like, Oh yeah. Like it's just something about bass cat owners. It just, it's it's that family environment that I think that the Pierce family uh, really kind of instilled on all the uh, all the customers. That's cool. That's cool. I'm trying to think of another kind of brand that has that cult feel. I would say maybe Har- Jeeps, 
right? Harley like Davidson. Harley Davidson. Is, yeah, yeah, that's definitely one. Um, and I, and yeah. I feel like Jeep Wranglers, you know, or the, the Jeep crew, you know, they they, yep. they pass these little ducks around on each other's Jeeps. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. So they, they got a little thing going too. But but I've noticed that with Bass Cat also. You you talked about your YouTube channel just, just a moment ago, talking about, you know, putting up some new videos and, and being able to show people uh, a new boat and, and new things that you've got going on. Man, I saw, and it's easy to find, by the way, Bass Edge listeners, if you haven't checked out John's YouTube, simple to find. It's just John Cruz, simple as that. So go check out his YouTube channel. He's got a lot of great stuff. I was watching it uh, a week or two, maybe three ago, and um, I remember a video you had, what's happening in pro bass fishing. There was a lot going on through the social media world at that time. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Jacob Fouts video, some some different uh, opinions on, on sponsorship in the sport, where the sport was headed, all the organizational uh, movements, and, and, and just things like that in general. But um, you're... You know, John, driving more into this industry, um, there, there's been so many angler brand partnership opportunities. I mean, there, there's a ton of opportunities for anglers out there. Uh, there's plenty of stuff to do. Look at your to-do list, my to-do list. There's, there's right. lots of opportunities out here in, in the bass fishing world. Um, you know, we have saw a wave of this kind of corporate involvement uh, and I'm not talking about each company's corporate involvement, but I'm talking about, you know, big corporations buying up brands. We kind of started seeing this little wave about, I would say, 15 years or so ago. Um, really has become what I would consider almost a new primary business structure within the industry in a lot of cases. There's still several that aren't like Missile Bates, yep. um, Sixth Sense. You know, there, there's other companies out there. That, that are still privately owned and, and, and doing things within themselves. But there's a lot of this big corporate conglomerate that's coming in, buying up different brands and, and putting these things together. How do you feel from your industry insider knowledge? Is this affecting, number one, how does it affect the consumer? How does it affect the Bass Edge listener? Um, you know, all these uh, big corporate companies buying up all these brands. Number two is how is it affecting aspiring anglers or pro anglers current pro anglers sponsorship and brand relationships can you break that down a little bit for the listeners yeah i would say from the from the customer standpoint um sometimes in those transitions they uh the companies come in evaluate the number of SKUs. like a company might have four thousand SKUs, which means they'll have you know 47 colors of one model crankbait and that angler if that's your favorite model crankbait you may want to snag up your favorite colors because that might be they, those might be cut. So if they have 47 different colors, uh, a, a company comes in, they might trim that down to the top top 20 sellers, and then move on to the next. So they're gonna they're gonna lean down the the inventory. They're gonna try to Offers, keep the inventory right. that gets the most turns. So what your favorite product may uh, may get culled in that in that process. Uh, it happened with War Eagle spinner baits when when Pradco bought them a number of years back. Uh, I mean, they had a, I forgot how many SKUs War Eagle had. It was ridiculous. Honestly, they had a, a zillion different SKUs and, and they, they cut about half of those when Pradco, you know, took over and then kind of, kind of, I mean, Pradco is a good, you know, they're entrenched in the industry, but they're owned by EBSCO, a very big company, a zillion brands. Um, so that, that's one of the things from an angler standpoint that happens, uh, 
from from the pro angler standpoint, I think that really it just kind of changes a little bit of what you have to do. Like you can't count on that personal relationship with the owner of said company to make your deal good. Like you're going to have to produce, you're going to have to produce on the social media, on the tournaments, on, on a little bit of everything so that you can show that company that you're, you're making a good return on their investment for the the advertising dollars they might be spending with you. Uh, So for, for the, for the pro anglers, uh, that that's just the way of the world. And if you're not kind of on it, uh, you're going to get left behind. And that, that, that goes to private companies as well, but the, the public companies, uh, I'm not going to say they're more heartless. I'm just going to say that they're more business oriented and you, you are not a personal relationship as much to them. It is more of a, an in, investment and in, in a marketing spend for them. And if you're not, you're not giving them a good uh, return on investment, AKA ROI, then, then you're gone. Right. How do you, how do you feel like, it seems like they're just such, such an alignment now. If, if an angler, you know, partners with a company, then they almost have to partner with these five other pieces of that company because it's the corporation owns so many other brands. Um, Do you feel like that is hurting or or helping the, the industry as far as getting anglers aligned with, with business prospects and, and promotion of products and, and really just even from a consumer standpoint, um, you know, understanding where anglers are coming from when they're in their marketing tools. Yeah. I just, I don't, um, I don't think that it's necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, but you, the only thing you have to be careful of is not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, back in, 2005, I signed a uh, three-year deal, I believe it was, to, you know, for 06, 07, and 08 uh, with with Pure Fishing right. uh, to promote, you know, their line, rise, real, like the whole the whole shooting match. Um, and so, in the beginning of of 08, they crash. <laughs> they came in and um, and wanted me to renegotiate my contract. Uh, you know, for the final year, they wanted my final year to be at a reduced rate. And I was like, all right, well, let's extend it for two more years. And they said, no, this, no, we're not going to do that. We just want you to take a reduced rate. I was like, well, I got to be the dumbest human being on the planet to agree to take a pay cut with no other incentive just to take a pay cut. Like I'm not Tom Brady. Like I'm not doing, you know, I'm not knocking down millions of dollars here. Like that was a good chunk of my, you know, my income. Um, so at the end of that year, they made me a, a ludicrous lowball offer, which I obviously turned down. Um, and, and then, so then I had to kind of piece together all of those categories the next two years. Really, it took me about three years to kind of piece all those categories together. So I didn't, didn't have a soft plastic sponsorship, didn't have a, um, uh, didn't have a rod reel or line sponsor that, that next year. So Is that I kind of when, when the thought of missile, I know missile started in I- 2012 i believe um but but is that kind of a beginning process of when that spawned for you uh about a year after that then it then then like the wheels started turning in my head yeah yeah about a year after that when i was designing baits for spro and fishing basically every soft plastic on the market i realized where there were gaps and i realized that you know the stuff some of the stuff i wanted to fish with just just didn't exist what not there That's cool. Very interesting. Yep. That kind of leads me into a, 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 the missile conversation. Uh, you've got two new baits that, that you've launched pretty much here in the last 
eight months or so. You launched the uh, the um, uh, Bomba at iCast, yep. Yep. and uh, just this January, just a couple weeks ago, you launched the uh, Monster Jig, another yep. Ike signature product. Um, man, let's dive in. Okay, cool. We got some. I love love this. That's what I want to see. So we'll, we'll talk about the Monster Jig first. Tell us about that. How did that come to be? And what what placement did you see that that uh, Missile needed this piece of the puzzle? Uh, so, you know, Ike and Ellie and I were talking about what what to do next. You know, before before the mini flip came out, there was not a compact, you know, flipping jig with, with a good hook on it uh, on the market. Now there's, you know, six or eight of them or however many. Uh, well, I don't bunch. know that there's that many still. I know yours is one of them, but there's yeah. not that many other ones. <laughs> yeah, if you hunt around, you can find some of them are not very, you know, well known, but there's a, there's More a number of them base, now. Yeah. And then, um, and then, so we were, you know, Ike and I were talking about like what, what's, what gaps are still out there. And I said, man, uh, we're talking about, has anybody, nobody's ever really done a, a really big jig. And, and he's just like immediately his wheel started turning. He was ready. He was good to go. He wanted to do it. So we had VMC make us a custom 10 aught hook. And wow. I mean, you can see my hand, like that's how that's big a the bad thing is. Mamma right there. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a bad, it's got the uh, PTFE coating, the slick coating on it, uh, 60 degree. And we, we wanted to make, we didn't want to make a swim bait head because it's not necessarily a swim jig. We wanted to be able to, to bring this thing through some cover, bounce it off some different things. So we made kind of an all-purpose head for it. In, uh, and then we did it in six different colors, two different sizes to start with. Uh, it's, got a, it's got a good little metal keeper on the bottom of it right there, you can see. Yeah. So you could put a you know, big old Kytec or, um, you know, we've, we're going to be having on our, on our website, like the, the, the AA swim baits. Oh yeah, very, uh, very familiar. That's optimum, of course. Yeah, optimum. Yep, it's a uh, the big bad Bubba Shad that fits on it perfect. That's the the seven inch. I'll show you that. Um, a lot of people, I think, are going to be fishing it this way with on a you know on a big with a big swim bait like that. Very um, nice. So it it just has an you know the whole the whole jig shakes. It kind of rolls a little bit, uh, so you get a lot of that shimmy and in the skirt that you wouldn't get with just the swim bait alone. So it's pretty, pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. We, we at the big rock show, we had a very positive response. A number of dealers came by that had some on order. Uh, I can think of two dealers off the top of my head that doubled their order. Once they saw it in person, nice. uh, one was for, uh, out West. Like they're all like, Oh my God, these swim bait guys are going to be all over this. And then uh, another one was a, was a dealer that sells a lot of musky lures. He's like, dude, the musky guys are going to go bonkers over this thing. Uh, we're, we're all over it. So um, I think we're going to be able to break into a couple of new markets, you know, Pike and Muskie, possibly the Snook, Striper, uh, along with the uh, the trophy hunters going for those uh, really big bass when they want that really big profile. Well, I tell you what, man, I, I, I follow out West pretty close and uh, Havasu, this, this style of bait. Uh, has been very popular, winning uh, lots of tournaments at Havasu. Yeah. Not quite that large, but real close. And yep. and that doesn't this this probably catches more of the fish that the the bait they're currently using is targeting. So this right. monster jig is going to be really hot, man. They're throwing it in the middle of these drains, little grass covered drains. But the key to it is a, a normal swim jig doesn't work because you just can't get it down fast enough because you do need a little bit of speed to get that reaction bite. You yep. throw a three-eighths, half, three-quarter out there, it just doesn't stay down when you're fishing, you know, grass and 15, yep. 18, 20 foot deep. This this style of bait right here is going to fit that mold 
and uh, it, I, I that looks sweet, dude. Heck <laughs> yeah, really man! Good. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting just to kind of see what doors it opens up and uh, see you know where where all it is is used and where all people catch fish on it. I mean, I mean one of the one of the toughest dealers to, to bring in new stuff is, uh, is Toledo tackle. And I, I would tell Kurt that to his face. If he, uh, <laughs> it was, it's Kurt with a C. Right, uh, right. I would tell Kurt that to his face if he were on the podcast, but, uh, he actually picked some up for, uh, for selling there at Toledo town tackle. Uh, it might help that we're coming for the elite, but, uh, he was like, he just kept looking at it and shaking his head and Shay, he's like, man, I can't believe I'm going to buy some, but Yep. Give me a cut. You know, so he ended up getting a, in a little assortment of them. And he said, man, he said, our, I think our guys will really throw it. I really, really do. He said, we sell a number of those seven inch type swim baits and yeah. we're selling glide baits now. And he's like, I, I think they're going to buy it. And I'm like, well, I hope they're going to buy it too. Cause I think, I mean, it's just, it doesn't exist out there. If you want to fish a great big bait like that, um, you know, through cover in 10, 20, 30 feet of water, there's not another product out there that really is going to do it with that, that type of profile. Now for, for an angler that's looking for a bait, you know, for that bait specific, what kind of setup are they going to, is it 20, 25 pound test, uh, big rod? Uh, yeah. what, what's going to be the the setup that you're going to encourage folks to, to tie that lure onto? Yeah. So I would say, you know, you can use a swim bait rod, but it really needs to be more of like a, a two X, uh or 3x rod you know extra extra heavy or or greater and you could use a punching rod that's what i've been using mostly is a is a punch rod you know something that has a little bit of moderate type action but has a ton of power because you're going to really need to be able to reel down and lean back and just and drive that big single hook into the fish and that's that's kind of why we made it with the teflon coating so to get a little better uh penetration but you need to be able to put a lot of power on those fish when you, when you lean back on them to be able to get that hook set. And, uh, you know, like a normal glide bait rod probably, you know, even if it's up to maybe a heavy action might not be enough. A seven, six heavy action flipping stick might be enough. Uh, it just, it's going to depend on the application of how you're using it. Very cool. I like it. All right. We, we've hit the monster pretty hard. That's a neat bait. Real, real nice addition to the line, but the mm-hmm. uh, Bamba, Bomba release that I cast earlier yep. this year, kind of, uh, uh, you know, this, I, I like to call them gravity baits. That, that's, yeah. that's my name for that, that technique and that style of fishing, uh, you know, weightless yep. turd, the weightless turd, right? That's exactly what it is. It's really a weightless <laughs> Ned rig is, is, is kind of what, the, what it is. And it's a bigger, you know, it's three and a half inches. Um, there's in Japan, there's probably eight or eight or nine different baits in that category as of yeah. like last year. So there probably is even more now. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of the, the birth of that whole movement was from a French bait, uh, from a company called Biwa, not the like the Lake Biwa, but it's called Biwa. It's a French company. They had a little, little nugget of a bait called a potato. And oh. that thing took off like crazy in Japan because guys were using it as a weightless Ned rig. And then, so, you know, all the other companies started making bigger versions and smaller, you know, different shaped versions. And then they ended up looking like a turd. And so everybody called them uh, poop baits and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's really, it's really an interesting category. I think it's, it's something that advanced anglers will use. Weekend anglers are going to use pond anglers are going to use people that don't, you don't have to have a high skill level to fish it and catch fish on it you 
can be a high skilled angler and it's just going to be that much more deadly when the fishing gets tough or you've got you know high pressure conditions whatever whatever it might be you can use that type of bait you can dead stick it's not going to hang up all all that so there, there's a lot going for that bait and, and i don't i don't think that category is going anywhere anytime soon uh it's just one of those those baits that's going to be able to catch fish uh year after year in a bunch of different type of places yeah i feel like it really hasn't totally caught on yet to the no, masses there, there's a few people using it very effectively uh, yep. but don't share it a whole lot nope. <laughs> because it is it is pretty effective i i feel like the same thing going on with the free rig world uh yeah. the free rig world same kind of scenario a very effective presentation hasn't been really caught on by the masses, but there's a lot of people that there's several people using it, but not talking about it yet a whole right. lot. So uh, yep. th those great categories, uh, congratulations on, on those two baits and uh, Thank you, man. look forward to see where that monster jig goes, man. That, that looks, uh, that looks badass. <laughs> so, Heck yeah. All right, man. Well, we're about to wrap this thing up, but, but before we do, what yep. are you looking forward to most in the bass and world in 2024? Kind of what's catching your eye, maybe from an industry perspective or, or from your angling perspective, what, what are you seeing in 2024 that you're excited about? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, one of the things is, um, is I'm excited to get this new Caracal STS out there on the water and, and run it, uh, get it rigged. And then just kind of get settled in like as an as, like, like that's one of the things I get a little anxious about at the beginning of the year is getting it rigged, getting it rigged right. And then getting it all the little kinks ironed out and make sure everything works. Once now that's then I'm then I feel comfortable and I'm like kind of ready to start the season. But one of the other cool things that I'm going to be showing in, in my YouTube videos and so forth is I'm going to be running one of the, the uh, newer. It's not brand new. Uh, 22 inch NBT Marine. Uh, screens on the front that. that I'll yeah. be using with uh, with the live scope and the perspective uh, things. Uh, and, and if for people are not familiar, the MBT Marine, they make a 22 inch and a, and a 16 inch unit. They are not standalone units. They have to be paired with a Garmin 8600 style. So either the 8610, 8612, 8616, whatever. Those are the, the highest end Garmin units that they make. They will mirror that unit and, um, and it's a full 1080 resolution screen. Wow. So like an echo, a regular Garmin Echo Map is, is 720, which is a good screen, a good resolution. 1080 is better. It's, it's the, you know, it's, it's the TV equivalent of standard definition TV versus HD TV. Uh, we all know what that looks like once you put it on a bigger screen. So once you put that good live scope picture on a bigger screen, uh, I mean, you can really yeah. see detail. You can really see a lot. I think it's going to help uh, me as an angler. Uh, it's going to be cool and ridiculous as far as the size, but <laughs> as far as an angler, and when I say better, I don't mean that like I can, I'll be able to see the fish a little bit better, but I think I'll be able to see, and this is what I'm you know, talking to the people that have used it, the, the tendencies of the fish. Like you can watch a fish and you can be like, you can see the shape better because it's bigger and in better resolution. Mm -hmm. You can see it and go, mm, that's not a bass that fish is not acting like a bass. It's not shaped like a bass, whatever. Or you can look at it and be like, that fish is not moving, but I really, really think it's a bass. Mm. And, and it, it might let you I be a little more persistent thing. on fish yeah. that you're not sure whether they're bass or not. So that, that MBT Marine uh, is going to be really cool to, uh, to check out. That's one of the things I'm kind of excited about this year to get, get that into yeah. the mix. Have a, uh, you obviously you're probably pretty familiar and talk to a lot of folks about this, 
this technology, the mirroring, does that, uh, because you're mirroring what, what the garment unit is, is taking in as the data and then replacing yep. it onto the, the other uh, monitor right. or the other screen. Is there any lag between that? No, it, it's uh, the, the, the uh, processor in those 8,600 units is Ridiculous. top of the market. I mean, like there's not another processor faster in another unit, to my knowledge, uh, maybe in one of the huge SIMRAD units or something like that. Possibly there could be something comparable. But but, um, you know, Lawrence has always had a really fast, good processor. This is but that's all it needs. Honestly, yeah. that's all that unit needs. But this this processor is just that much faster and bigger. Uh, they don't really even hardly market the eighty six hundred units towards bass fishermen they haven't up until the recent year or two because in the recent like two years they figured out that the anglers figured out that that processor is there it's showing and it's and the resolution is better so now there's a lot of uh, a lot of anglers there's uh, i can i know a handful on the pro the pro level that are going to be switching over to the 8600 units next year because of that resolution and because of the processor uh and then you know that processor is going to be the one uh, that's putting the signal towards that uh, towards that other unit, and there's there's plenty enough power to 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 do all that. And the the guys at MBT Marine have been, I think this is like their fourth year, so they've they've gone through about four or five different versions. And they've they've got that sucker pretty dialed in. Very cool. We we went down this little rabbit hole. I got to ask you one more question. Yeah, you going to the uh, you going to the long range forward facing sonar this year, the saltwater format. No, I'm just going to go, I'm going to stay with the the two. I'm going to go with the LVS 34 upright and then one in perspective. Uh, I've got a 52 inch uh, power pole move trolling motor yep. so that I can separate those two transducers a little bit more and hopefully have a really clean signal for, for both of those, um, both of those two units. And that that's what I'm going to go with. Very cool. I, I think that the, uh, the saltwater thing is, is interesting. Um, I just don't know whether it is justified for, for me. Uh, you know, if you break one of those, they're not going to have one on the trailer, right. uh, that kind of stuff uh, for, for us. Uh, so then I would probably have to buy a second one. I, I, I don't know that I have seen uh, the, the difference with those uh, yet. So we'll, uh, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on it though. I'm, More I'm, things to come. Yes, I'm yes. keeping my eyes on it. Absolutely. Man, it's been great. John, Eddie, we're going to let you go. Get back to work Thanks, over there. Thanks for taking your lunch break with you. Got any closing thoughts for the listeners? Man, um, whether you like live scope or you don't like live scope, do not let it screw up your fishing. Fishing is fun. Whether you use live scope, whether you use night crawlers or live shiners <laughs> or wacky worm or whatever you like to do, man, don't don't let the naysayers and the negative people uh get you down and and uh and for the record i don't think that randy blockett is negative i don't i think he i think he does a lot of things for clickbait and he will tell you that he does a lot of things for clickbait um but he does have a fun interesting different perspective than a lot of people um you know if you actually listen to him with an open mind you might i would say maybe you won't change your mind but you kind of understand his perspective a little bit i definitely you know, I don't, I don't hate on him or anything. He just, he has a different right. perspective on, on a lot of things than, than most people. And that's, uh, it's called critical thinking and it's, yeah. it's cool. So, uh, yeah, that's, don't, that's, when you watch it, the world exciting to live in, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Everybody's got a different perspective. We all thought the same damn way. <laughs> yeah, it would it would be boring as hell. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, John, man, I appreciate you being with us here on another episode of Bass Edge. 
Uh, we're going to see you on the water, I'm sure, sometime later on this year. Yes, or, sir. Uh, maybe in a show somewhere. But uh, yep. we're going to be right back with my closing thoughts. John, thanks again. We're going to be right sir. back with more Bass Edge Radio. The newest addition to the Basscat STS family is here. Introducing the Caracal STS, showcasing aggressive styling, paired with enhanced performance, and a continued dedication to raising the bar. Measuring in at 20 feet 2 inches with an ultra-wide 96-inch beam and rated for a 250 to 300 horsepower engine, the Caracal STS boasts agility and speed and is finished with premium features to satisfy any angler. Fast Cat Boats. Feel the rush. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. Back at it. We'll closing segment here on Bass Edge Radio. Another great interview, man. Great great to have John Cruz on the show. It's been a ton of fun, just bringing lots of knowledge, not only from the fishing aspect, but of course, uh, and John, John brings it through all levels, you know, fishing, industry, uh, just, you know, experience, just, uh, he's just a great, you know, value of information for all of us, man. Um, Want to bring up, as always, a couple of my highlights from from the interview today, and uh, that was how quickly he was able to name three important techniques, rods that he's always got rigged up inside of his boat. Um, it was it was. Uh, I think if you don't have, you know, these three or four things that you always have rigged in your boat, or something that you have that much confidence in. That would be something great to work on in 2024, or or at least to identify and recognize. Because every time you go on the water, there's got to be a couple of techniques that just you feel like meet an experience, or or you know you've seen from previous experiences that have high potential or high percentage to work in a certain scenario. And uh, John mentioned you know the drop shot with the uh, with the missile worm. And, and, of course, he mentioned the uh, vibrating jig with the trailer bait. And, and then, you know, his, his last one he mentioned was uh, – uh, God, what was the last one he mentioned? I'm going to have to go back and listen again. But, but he named all three of them there, there really fast and uh, knew exactly what he was going – mini flip. That was the last one. And uh, so he, he knew everything that he is going to have. He, he sees those baits every time he opens that rod locker and uh, – Nine times out of ten, every time he launches the boat, they're on the deck. So, really, really think that uh, each of us should have, you know, that confidence. But for me, I know for me, um, I'm I also have a vibrating jig anywhere I go. It's something that's really important on the deck of my boat. Um, I generally have some kind of Texas rig, some kind of flip, uh, so, something to flip and pitch around. But usually, it's a piece of plastic. Um, for me, um, you know, varying weight sizes, just depending on cover, you know, a quarter ounce, or if it's, if it gets windier, I'm fishing a little bit deeper, a, a three ace, or if I'm flipping some heavy cover up, up to one ounce, but I've always got, you know, some kind of Texas rig, uh, you know, ready to go on my boat. And then probably the last thing for me is a Nico rig, uh, Nico rig. I feel like I can throw it anywhere. I can throw it in cover. 
Um, I can throw it deep. I can throw it shallow. Um, there's, you know, docks, there's riprap. There's just all kinds of different presentations. I can throw a Nico rig and, and uh, you know, potentially get some bites. So, so those are kind of my three. Um, if you've got three, comment down below. Love to hear what your three favorite baits are. Um, it'd be great to, to hear some feedback and just, you know, let some of the other listeners know what, what some possibilities are of lures and techniques that work year round for every angler. So that'd be great to hear. All right. We are about to kick off bassin season in full throttle, man. Upcoming events. We've got uh, January 30th through February 1st, 1st, excuse me, 4th, stage one of the MLF Bass Pro Tour. That's going to be taking place on Toledo Bend. That's right. That's the same fishery the Bass Elite Series will start later on in the month of February. So going to be a lot of Elite Series anglers watching that uh, from, from a fan perspective. Love the Bass Pro Tour. It's going to be cool to see what the, the uh, rejuvenation of the all-you-can-catch-way format uh, does for that. Um, it'll be interesting to see also what they put on the limit for, for Toledo Ben. If it'll be a pound and a half, two pounds, two and a half pounds, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch that go down and see how many fish they can catch out there at Toledo Bend and, and who takes away the championship. Um, be still winter down there that time of year. So uh, I think you'd see a lot of deep fishing, probably a lot of finesse fishing. Um, mate, you know, just you get a warm front, maybe maybe some guys catching some shallow, but I feel like it's going to be a ledge type creek channel type deal. Uh, so that'll be fun to watch, as mentioned. MPFL, MPFL coming up too at the end of the month, January 28th through February 3rd, I believe the dates are. Logan Martin, Alabama. Pretty much a spot fish factory. We saw. Uh, an elite series event go down there last year, kind of late spawn, post spawn, shad spawn type of type of scenario. Here this time of year, Logan Martin, it's probably going to be some lipless baits involved, some lipless crankbaits, and and uh, maybe some some uh, some fish up in the river, you know, related to uh, off current type areas as they kind of like to get out of the current in the winter months. Uh, but that should be a fun event to watch, the NPFL there at Logan Martin, Alabama. And the first BASS Open kicking off, February 1 through 3, Lake Okeechobee. Uh, that's going to be a fun one to check out. It, it, if the weather's stable, no big cold fronts, it could be a smash fest down there. Could, could see just some giant bags coming in. Last year at Okeechobee, Probably some of the most ridiculous big bags we've ever seen come out of a fishery during a time of year. I, it was it was kind of that bluegill spawn, post spawn, that May June time frame. They were just cracking giant bag, thirty pound bags. There there were times when you would be 28, 29 pounds and not get a check in a tournament for a five fish limit. It was unbelievable. So it's going to be see be fun to watch how the BASS open the first stop the EQ series of course there'll be some guys that are just fishing that that southern division down there as well um I'm gonna be at my first event too gonna be fishing the Juan Bass the Western Outdoor News event up at Lake Shasta in California big spotted bass fishery 
January 31 through February 2nd. That's going to be another event we're going to be reporting on. So we got four big events, man. You're not going to want to miss tuning back into Bass Edge Radio. We're going to have our next episode, February 9th is going to be the launch date for that episode. We're going to get a recap of all these events that are going on. Uh, we're going to we're gonna look to uh, have Rich Lindgren, Hella Bass, back at the on the show with us to kind of break down all the happenings and, and kind of what then went down and techniques that were used to win some of these events. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Rich, of course, was with us on, on the first episode of 2024. And uh, man, once, once these events start kicking off, uh, I think you're going to hopefully see Rich as a, as a uh, continued guest here on Bass Edge Radio. Um, Again, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, mash that like, comment below, man. We want to hear what you all think and and uh, what's going on in your world as well as you listening to Bass Edge Radio. It's, it should be dynamite, man. But I um, want to thank again, obviously, John Cruz, BS's Lead Series Angler, for dropping the knowledge and the education on this episode of Bass Edge Radio. Uh, man. Thank you all for being here. It's been a lot of fun. We enjoy bringing you the info. Adios till next time. Bass Edge.